0: Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface-level conversation?
1: Not us. I'm Samantha. And
0: I'm Christian, two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of
1: life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello, we are together in our studio. Our new little yes, studio new setup. Studio.
0: If you guys have seen it on Instagram, we got a new little fancy logo. Yeah. Feeling very fancy. Yeah, very not fancy. used to our basement yes. or like living room setup. Yes, so we have
1: our friend Maggie. Hello Maggie. Welcome on Going There. Hi,
0: thanks for having me. Guys, we are so excited to chat with Maggie Combs. She is an author and just a content creator in many ways. But I actually learned about Maggie through a book that my mom gave me years ago, probably two years ago now, but it is called Motherhood Without All the Rules. And honestly, I told Maggie this already, but it really transformed as an achiever myself and as someone who feels this need to constantly like meet expectations. It really like transformed my thought and how I wanted to mother and just has been a really good just like starting point and kind of ramp for me and how I think through mothering. So I'm excited to chat with you today. So why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about who you are, what your life looks like, your family, all of that stuff.
2: Great. I'm Maggie Combs. I live in the Minneapolis area, but I've been blessed to get to be on a small farm, just on the very edge of the suburbs with my husband and my three boys. And I had three boys in three years, and oh that is not how anybody plans it.
0: Wow, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing.
2: So it was a, a pretty fast start out the gate into motherhood for me. And then When I was pregnant with my third boy, I was like, I looked at my husband, I was like, we got to get out to the farm. So my parents graciously gave us 10 acres. We got to build our house right next door to theirs. And so my home life looks a little bit different from other people's. We spend Saturdays with our animals. We have, my parents have horses that we use, and then we have beef cattle that I like sell to people around us. It's amazing. yeah. That's like the most normal thing in the world to me. We've had beef cattle my whole life and then it became like really trendy. And I was like, Hey dad, we could like sell this. And I was going to like, say,
1: I have a deep freeze in my garage with half a cow. So I get it. And it's been such, it's yeah. so amazing this year. Yeah.
2: Yes. And then we also have fainting goats. So <gasps> that's hilarious. I love
1: goats. I, I always amazing. am telling my husband, I'm not from a farm at all, but I'm from Arkansas and have family that do have land. And I'm always saying like, we got to find some land. And that's all I want, though, is goats. have goats. But Christian's Santa. like, you know, you I can. also need to be like close to a Starbucks and all these other things. So I don't think that will work out for me. But maybe I could come just like visit your fainting goats because that's my dream. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, that did work out for me. I'm only a couple miles from a Starbucks.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, there you go. You have truly the best setup then. That's amazing. Do you get milk from the
0: goats or what do you do with them?
2: So when my husband wanted goats, when we moved out there, I was like, let's be clear right now. I am not the kind of woman who's going to milk a goat twice a day. I'm not making my own cheese. Like, I'm happy to purchase those things from the store. So I was like, what else can we do? And so that's why we ended up getting fainting goats, which if you don't know what a fainting goat is, just do yourself a favor. (laughs) you need a little laugh today and you go on YouTube and just... You'll get to see videos, lots of videos, but they're meat goats, but we also do not eat them for meat or sell them for meat. But because they're like a fancier breed, we can sell the babies and we are not making any money off of this venture. This is just purely like Enjoyment. just pay for themselves and they're
0: just a joy to have around. And we like entertainment for your kids, kids yes, who come the, over, the boys
2: have chores to do with them every day and so it's like my dad when he bought the farm he was like it's to teach my kids how to work originally so it's kind of the same philosophy like there's something that we're caring for there's work that we do around the farm and yeah so like baby goat but I didn't know in starting this that I would become a goat doula Oh, Or even a midwife sometimes. (laughs)
1: So So like neighboring farm or no, you and your goats have babies like you're out there helping with the birth.
2: Yeah, well, they actually have them in the spring and it's still too cold for them to be outside. So we have this like two level garage. So the bottom level is my husband's like workshop and everything. But in the spring, he puts up pallets and like creates birthing stalls for the moms
0: Oh my gosh. I'm picturing you out there with like towels and, and your an apron boots and, like, <laughs> boots, and you're like going at it. You're like, come That's on, exactly Monarchs, right. you yeah. can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we
2: put like a wireless video camera in there.
1: Like so I will, like,
2: I, I like monitor them on my phone And run down there and there's like a little way you can check to see if they're close to labor. And so I'm like checking them all the time. And then we get to be there for most of the births.
0: Wait, I love this because I love how when you talk about this, you kind of like actually laugh about it. Like, did you ever see your life looking like this? Is your husband like a farmer? Are you guys into this? Or was it like, no, I grew up on this land. So like it kind of feels normal. But you're like, no, this is literally never what we imagined for our lives.
2: It feels normal to me from growing up that way, and then my husband was like, he lived in small towns, but he was like a city kid in the small. Like he lived in town, and he was very jealous of all of his friends who did have farming situations. So it's mostly pushed by him. Like he's always like, can we get pigs this year? And I'm like, maybe not this year. I'm just not quite ready for another animal. And
0: that's and awesome. Oh, and we also have a donkey who I failed to mention. Oh my goodness. goodness, donkey! I love your unique. Wait, do, little... can you ride the donkey? Can the kids ride the donkey?
2: Yeah, that's like, you not ride all donkeys. donkeys
0: are rideable,
2: but cool.
1: ours is. Okay, so. really Palm quick, Sunday. and then we can get into... Oh, true, true. Oh, my
2: gosh. <laughs> this isn't a farm podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no,
1: but I wanted to say, do you guys follow <laughs> the food nanny? Do you? We've never talked uh-uh. about this. Do you, Maggie, follow the food nanny? No. Okay, she's from Utah. I guarantee some people listening follow her. She's really popular for... She's created this whole, like, brand of sourdough commute. I'm saying it wrong, I think. Com- commute? It's some kind of flower that is not process like all these things. And people can like buy her flour from Utah and she shows the farms. Anyways, she kind of lives like not on a full farm, but she like, kind of like you with the goats, like has two cows and she, she does milk them and make the cheese and make all the things. Anyway, she's a good follow if you're into any kind of like kind of farm, but she's also like usually... Full face of makeup, like it's not like she's on a huge farm. She just like likes having these two milk cows. So
0: I will have to say, one time this spring, our friend started a farm, and I was like, "I'll buy some milk from you." And so we did, and the milk was delicious. And she was like, "Hey, you can take the heavy cream off the top of the milk, and you can make butter, or you like, there's a lot of different recipes." She does it
1: in her mixer, like she makes buttermilk and butter from the cream. I was like,
0: "I'll make butter. That sounds easy." And I told my friend, I was like, "I'm not gonna lie, I'm not up for this." The smell of like milk after you've worked with it that long was like so disturbing to me out of so much heavy cream, I got like a tiny little ball of butter and I was like, not worth it. I will gladly buy this from the store. I was like, can't do it.
2: Like, I will buy the most expensive butter in the world if I never have to do that. You're
0: like, someone turned this, even if it wasn't with a machine. And I appreciate that. Oh, my goodness.
1: Well, maybe we need to start a little sub like farm podcast, but... Agriculture. Yeah, agriculture. But jumping back in, tell us what you do. We already mentioned you're an author. And tell us everything you do with your ministry work for and everything.
2: Yeah. So I'm an author. I've written two books. The first one was called Unsupermomming. That's really for like moms in the first year of motherhood, where it's just like... Your hair is on fire. You know, like, how am I even surviving this? And then in September 2020, not a fun time to have a book come out. My next book came out, Motherhood Without All the Rules. Praise the Lord. I had like sent the manuscript off to my publisher the day before everything shut wow. down. That is amazing. So, and that is for moms who their kids are getting a little bit older, but really struggling with that grasping for control, wanting to make motherhood and your home and family and everything look like how you anticipated it would look. So that's all about like trading the stressful standards that the world has given you for the gospel and then experiencing freedom and joy and fruitfulness through the spirit as part of that. So like the same day my book launched, I also started a new job. I thought my kids were going to be going into... I thought my youngest was going into kindergarten. It was like this whole thing. It would be great timing, and they were supposed to be in school like full time. And then they, like the week before, they were like, actually, it's going to be hybrid. So I launched a book and started my new job. But this job was my dream job. It was like I hadn't really even planned on working full time, just maybe writing more when my kids went back to school. But I got a job as content director with the online women's ministry, Well Watered Women. And it is just the best job in the world. I get to study God's word as my job and like help other women writers grow. And so I'm in charge of overseeing our articles there, overseeing our plans for our products, which we create a Bible study journal called the Gimme Jesus Journal. And then we also create Bible studies Our biggest Bible study of the year is always our Advent study. So I know it's a long time away from Advent now, but if you're looking for an Advent study next year, it's a great place to come and their actual study. So instead of during Advent, switching to like a devotional, it's still a study where they're getting in God's word. And really, our goal is always to have the word first. That'd be the first thing that they're encountering, but then also being Relational in our studies because we're women and women. We love to... Obviously, we love
1: to chit-chat. We get off on random tangents and we love to just connect in that way. So I like that. Well, yeah.
0: And if you've been around going there at all, obviously, you know why we love Maggie because I just love everything you just said there of like keeping the word at just the center of why we're doing what we're doing, but also being in relationship. And that's what our hope here is on the podcast is that we can start a conversation, but we hope that you guys are taking these conversations and having them with your real life community because this can only go so far. But that's awesome. So thank you for all your work.
2: So everything you do there is kind of related to that. And I get to write a lot of Bible studies and edit a lot of Bible studies. And it's so fun. But I also never pictured myself as a working mom. So that's been a big transition that I I feel like I'm still coming to terms with these even like two years, almost three years into it. So
1: Well, I want to jump into kind of about your book. Is it Motherhood Without All the Rules? Yes. Yes. So you kind of said earlier that you jumped into motherhood three and three years. I mean, that's pretty wild. And so tell me about your personal experience that I'm guessing led to you writing this book about this idea of being a good parent and what it felt like to try to meet those expectations and like what you learned along the way.
2: Yeah, I I had a couple experiences early on, like, especially having three boys, two people, like, I remember just one really specific, this woman pulling me aside at church and leaning in and whispering, you get to be the queen now. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I want to be that. Yeah, it sounds like um, a lot of responsibility. And- I think as women, we just so desperately want to encourage each other and like build each other up. And I love that about women, but women would be like, oh, it's okay. Like I'd be struggling with something. to would be like, oh, it's okay. You're a good mom. And I'd be like, but you weren't at my house this morning. I mean, if you were at my house this morning, you could not call me that. And so I started to feel this tension between like how we spoke to each other and the things we said to each other, the things... I said to myself in my head, and what God's word said. So I think when motherhood starts, you spend literally nine months, and they call it expecting, right? What do you you spend nine months building a whole list of expectations for yourself, for your baby, for your husband, for your home. And then this baby comes and Some people have an easy first baby. I never had that. I did not have that experience. But suddenly, it's like within a couple of days, like all of those expectations just feel like there's no way you can meet them. You feel like a failure. You wonder, why did I do this anyways? Like Will this get any better? How am I going to survive? And then you do survive in some way. And then the next season of motherhood comes even like baby to toddler. And all of a sudden there's this whole new list of expectations. And so we're always kind of going through seasons where we're collecting expectations. And I remember when I like got to the point where I was writing Motherhood Without All the Rules, I was like, I thought I would be done with having all these unrealistic expectations by now. Like I thought I had let go of these things and experience freedom in these places. And yet still, I was like, okay, my kids are a little older. So now I'm going to have these new list of expectations for myself. And it became so burdensome. And It's like, no wonder we feel stressed out. And at the end of our ropes as moms all the time, because we're carrying around the burden of all of these expectations that we can never meet. And some of them are from the world. And some of them are from our friends. Some of them are from our in-laws or our own moms or ourselves. So. I don't think we can ever really like move beyond having expectations. So it's more like, how are we going to deal with that? Because God made us hopeful people. So these expectations are really like hopes. And so often they're good plans. And Lord willing, some of them will come to fruition. But it's more what's motivating us and fueling us to do these good things, even you know, like good things for the Lord. Is it? that we're trying to do them by our own power and our like grit and being like, I can do this by my bootstraps and make all of this happen. Or are we saying like, God, what do you have for me today? Like, this is the list that I would love to accomplish. These are the things that I would love to do. This is the mom I would like to be. But most of all, I want to be in your presence, growing, walking in the spirit being aware of the way when life changes, you are creating opportunities for growth and opportunities for ministry.
0: Hmm. Guys, I hope that we are all like listening with wide open ears because I know I am, and this is like good, good stuff. Because I mean, we've had so many conversations recently, even, but it's just like been theme of my life, I think recently is like living in the tension of just what life is. And even as you say that, you know, we may be people who never really actually get past having expectations. Cause I love how you said that. Like our God made us hopeful people that we do have aspirations and we do hope for better because God did create this world and it was broken. And so there is this like desire in us for things to be made new and for things to be made whole again. And so talk to us about that, though. Like in your book, chapter by chapter, you take some of these lies and you state the lie and then you give the gospel truth. What do you feel like are some of those most like enticing lies? And like, why are they so easy to believe? Like walk us through a few of those examples.
2: Well, I think the mother of all the lies is everything depends on you. That's why I put it first in my book, because it is putting us on the throne of our lives and making us the rulers. When everything depends upon you, you have to control everything around you or the world falls apart. And so like I was thinking to myself, just recently, I was writing something and I realized, oh, like another thing that we say to ourselves that's related is that like, if I don't do this, nobody else will. And those are lies that we are internalizing and then we're speaking them to ourselves over and over and over until they become our primary truths and our primary operating systems for how we live our lives. And so everything depends upon you places the mom at the center of the universe. The queen. The the queen, (laughs) exactly, the queen. And if the kids, the husband, the circumstances don't serve this like perfect kingdom that we've created, then, well, watch out. There will be consequences for those people or those things, right? We'll get angry. We will get super controlling. We will get even like depressed that this, product. like We almost start to think of motherhood and our children like this product that we are creating. And I've never been a perfectionist, but I'm a definitely a capableist. And so anytime I feel like, oh, I'm not capable of this thing, I have to work harder and control more. And so when we believe everything depends upon us, we're actually usurping God's sovereignty in our lives. That is his characteristic that we do not have. Like, we do not have that attribute. It is not for us as Christians. And so, Jesus Christ actually came as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what that means is that he came to rescue us and to rule over us in his goodness. And so, when we are trying to either, in really challenging circumstances, rescue ourselves or rescue all the people around us by our power, we are trying to be their savior and nobody can live under the weight of that. Or we try to rule over them. And that's when we get super controlling of our kids, really angry when they will not obey us because obedience is like the way we see our control in their lives. And so it's also putting us at the very center of the world. And that's why that one is so in particular destructive, because we are not the center of the universe. Jesus upholds the universe with the word of his power. In him, all things hold together. So we do not have to. And so the truth that I used in my book for that is that God is the best parent. That means he's our best parent. He's also the best parent for our children. And so when circumstances happen in their lives that we want to fix, they actually might be hard things that are for their good and God's glory. And he's actually parenting them. And instead of trying to fix it for them or force them to do it the way we want to, we can instead like grow alongside of our children as they're going through those circumstances.
1: I'm just nodding so much because I'm just like slightly ahead of Christian parenting like six months or so, and I just feel like I have had just a journey already. I mean, everyone does with parenting, but I have a very strong-willed daughter who I look at her. Both of my kids are adopted, so it's so interesting watching this nature versus nurture unfold, but there are so many things in my daughter that I'm like, I don't know if this was just coincidence that we ended up being the exact same from your nature, but like nurture is playing a large role right now because you are like a little mini me, and I'm just like, you just so see your sin magnified and reflecting back at you, and the ways that I look to her obedience, as like this measure in my life of how things are going and the way that I like try to control that and put my own perfectionistic things on that. I've had to just like constantly break down and then stumble again into and kind of rewind and break down again. I've never heard it said that way about just when we put this thing, like, we hold it all together. I feel like that's a really big trend in our culture right now. Like, I actually just saw an Instagram account, and this lady was not a Christian, but I kind of, like, found myself really liking the content just talking about, obviously, like, moms often carry a lot of the mental load of life of, like, okay— making the dentist appointments. And I'm the one making sure the backpack for that next school year is ordered and making sure, okay, her school shoes are dirty. So I need to like go get some new ones. And I mean, it was just Christmas. And so I think we see a lot of that, like the dad with the coffee mug, just staring at all the Christmas gifts. Like, you know, the kid's like, thanks, mom and dad. And the dad's like, I don't even know what we got them. And so in my household, a lot of that does operate that way where I am making the dentist appointments and doing certain things. But I really have to sometimes talk myself out of that of like, my husband holds just as many responsibilities in the way that we're raising our kids. And just a quick story, last weekend, I took my five-year-old like out of state with me on a little trip. And so my husband stayed home with our seven-month-old, which like just isn't a circumstance. that happens all the time. And it's the way that I can convince myself that the house will, like, be on fire when I get home. That, like, nothing will be put together and that everything will be done the wrong way. And I really had to just, like, pray on my trip home of, like— okay, yes, he might not have done the laundry the way that I would normally do it. And he might not have picked up this or that, but those things don't matter. Like those things will get done. And I think there is something in us that Christian and I talk about this. It's in any facet of life really of like when things aren't done the way that we want them done, we kind of have to like let go of that and say, well, you can also do things well. It just might be different for me. And so that's something that I think all of us struggle with in different ways in motherhood. But for me specifically, we got to let go of the like, I'm doing it all. No one helps me around here. It's like, no, you know, we're blessed to have. If you are in a marriage with two people raising children, like that's such a blessing. And so there are single moms who like are doing it all or whatever, but there's still that idea that God has a bigger plan. God is also going to care for your children more than you can, like which is really earth shattering for people, I think, to grasp.
2: It really impacts your marriage when you're telling yourself all the time that you are the one who's doing everything and the only one who can do it the right way. Because ironically, like what we desperately want is our husbands to be more involved, but then the moment they try to be more yes. involved, like, no, you haven't read that parenting book. So I'm doing it the right way, actually. And we have like, said that. Yep. <laughs> I think we're like, oh, God made me this child's mother. But it's like, no, nope, if you have a husband who's alongside you, like God made him, your child's father. And instead of undermining him every time he tries to be involved, we can come alongside him and honor him the way that God has asked, like, outdo one another in showing honor, the Bible says. And you know what? We don't know everything. Like, our husbands do have wisdom to give in those situations. I can't tell you how many times it's been like, well, I've just been like messing up, like this child has this one thing and we can't move past it, blah, blah, blah. And I'll finally mention it to my husband. He's like, oh, well, did you try X? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And that would never be my instinct. And then I try it and it works. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm always like, oh yeah, like God put you here too and gave you wisdom to be part of this. And even if your husband is not a Christian or he's less mature than you are, God is still sovereign over him being the co-parent with you. He's not like the lesser parent. He's like also the parent.
0: Mm -hmm. See, I love how you say things and how you write because so many things when I was reading your book, I remember being like, "Eh, this one's not really impactful to me. Like, I don't really relate to that lie. And then it would be unpacked. And I'm like, oh, dang it. I do. Because like, even as you say, like, we look at our kids like projects, like, I mean, just being totally transparent there have for sure been times in my parenting that like if obedience is the measurement of my success as a parent there are times with the when i'm with my in-laws or with my family and i'm like mm, do you see how my child perfectly oh, said yeah. and
1: thank you like and i sit there and i'm like i like gloat and i'm like and then you're looking at your nieces like, and nephews who aren't and you're secretly like wow thank yes, goodness my I'm kids like, that's are perfect. ridiculous and that's because like, we
2: think our children are our report cards yes
0: yeah And actually, like I was sending a voice memo to some friends this week because my husband was gone on a business trip and I came home or he came home and we actually got in this like argument about because I literally wanted him to like come in our home, like fall at my feet and be like, wow, you are the best. Thank you so much. The house is so clean. And it like just didn't happen like that. And I was like, why was I expecting that? And even as we talk right now. I'm like, that is the way I had to confess my friends. Like, and I said to my husband, I was like, I'm so sorry. I was super prideful. I was literally only thinking about myself. I was happy to serve our family in this way, but obviously, like all of my pride like manifested itself in this way. So I just apologized because like that wasn't right of me. And that was like really kind of nasty. But in the same ways, I think it's so good for us. Like, even in these things, yes, we're talking about motherhood, but if you're not a mom or if you don't find yourself in this situation too, like I think these same lies also then rid really awful things in friendship or in communities or in your job. Because like genuinely, I'm thinking right now, I'm like, well, like if I think that I am the best and supreme in like all of my friendships, then I think then like all of my friends need to serve me or I'm like, eh, no, you're not great. I'm gonna like leave. And so I just think all of these lies are things that again, the gospel has truth to, but we choose to like pick the lesser, which is just kind of like cheating us out of it
2: what was happening in that story is like you spent the whole time telling yourself that. And so like learning to listen to what we're telling ourselves. And then it's a skill that like might sound impossible at first, but anytime I'm like getting real huffy, like in my mind or like, we're like, it's the same track over and over and over and over again. I've put myself on the throne and Like Paul Tripp says, nobody talks to you more than you do. So you have to learn to catch yourself the way it's like. Usually, for me, the tone I'm talking to myself in will show that it's not biblical. If it's this like putting total self centered tone and like, nobody treats me the way I deserve, or this is what it like life should definitely look like. And stopping myself and saying, like, no turning my thoughts to God, turning thoughts to making him big instead of making me big. And it's amazing. That's what's amazing about the Bible is that those biblical thoughts, those truths from God's word, those truths about who he is actually transform our hearts. And so then you might still like, it's not wrong to like, Want your husband to notice you when he comes home and and notice what you did to support him leaving, but instead you could like if he didn't, it wouldn't be like, "Oh my gosh, instead I'd be like like just so you know it was a hard weekend for me, and I love supporting you, but I also love when you notice that I've done that, and that like really encourages me as a mom and wife and so you might end up still addressing that thing that you were getting worked up about, but you can do it from a place of humility where God has already been ministering to your heart. You are not just bringing your problem and throwing it at your friend's feet or your husband's feet or your coworker's feet and saying, fix this because I'm in the right. You're humbly saying like, I do have needs as a person and this is one of them, but God has already met it for me. But in the future, like, I'd love you to be aware of it.
1: Mm. I love how you say that because I was next going to say, like, what are some of those red flags? And you kind of just mentioned some of them, the like when tracks are repeating over and over. And for me, the number one thing that I can pick apart is when I explode on my husband and like just like you were saying, just like say all the wrong things he's been doing. Or when I can, I always feel like I shouldn't feel proud about this. I think I'm just like thankful for the growth. But that like at the end of the day, when our kids aren't around, when we're both in a good place, I can, like you were just explaining, humbly say like, hey, this hurt or like this felt this way when you said it. Like, will you explain that more? Like when I can do that versus exploding, like I think I'm just so used to exploding my feelings that those just feel like such big wins. And I love that we can train ourselves to do that. It's like you were saying, we almost can't recognize anything we're thinking through anymore. I really think it's because we don't, yeah, we don't pay attention to any thoughts we have. Like this could be like regarding mental health. This could be so many things. It's like, it really is a lost skill of being able to say like, I know I'm feeling a certain way, but I should be able to untangle some thoughts and feelings and get to the reason why. And it's almost scary how often I'm talking about myself too. Like we're so far from that because it's easy for me when I'm feeling a way to like click on a podcast, like anything that can drown out sometimes the feelings. It's just so accessible for us. And sometimes I truly have to force myself to like really think about it. And I think the more we can do that, like you said, it's a skill. It's easier to kind of start untangling those things quicker. So I like all of that.
0: Yeah. And what you're talking about here is like discernment between those lies and those truths. So like unpack that a tiny bit more for us because I want women and I want I want to hear from you. Like, how has that looked? You mentioned these like patterns that are repeating in your head and you're like, I got to stop. But like, how did you get to the place where you're like, oh, I noticed I needed to stop? This or like, how did you really learn to distinguish both of those things? Well, my parents are biblical counselors, so that helped. Oh, so that's amazing. Does help. Yeah. <laughs> my mom is one of my
2: best friends. Oh, so.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. You walk next door and you're like, Mom, I imagine. She's like, Honey, <laughs> let's talk, talk to me. Through. How are you feeling? Yeah. Let's pray yeah, about yeah. it. Let's so that, I mean,
2: that is helpful. But I think that is now, as I say that, like, on top of learning to stop what's going on in your head. I don't think this is something you share with everybody, but like having a couple of trusted friends where you can come to them and like, when you're like going off on something, they're like, wait, why do you think that you feel that way? My parents use why to the five, which is literally just asking why, a why question five times until you get deeper into what the actual problem is. Because it's so easy to focus on fixing the, I remember it was like, I went through a period where I was just really angry with my one of my sons when we were trying to leave the house. I mean, I think all moms know the stress of leaving the house. And one of the most terrifying things for me about them starting the school was like, we're going to have to leave the house every day
1: at a certain time. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes. And this child, he was the fastest child in the world. He'd run everywhere, just like Always, except when we were leaving the house, he became a sloth. Like it could take him two days to leave the house. And I would get angry every day. And I mean, in some ways, the anger was justified. (laughs) And so I talked to a friend and it was like, well, here's some practical things you can do here. And those like worked in some days, but not other days. And I kind of given him as many practical things as I could. And instead, I had to start asking myself, like, why does this make me so angry? And so why? Well, I like to be on time. Why do I like to be on time? Because I think that people who aren't on time are maybe lazy or inconsiderate of other people. So why do I feel that way? Well, when other people aren't on time, then I feel hurt by them. And that I haven't been considered. And so why does that matter? Well, I think my time is the most important time of anybody's. And when other people waste it, that's really offensive to me. And so it's like digging back, but identifying the lie that I was telling myself, which was probably like, you should know better by now to my child would be like one. So it's not always one thing and (laughs) recognizing that, Sometimes, especially when a big sin pattern like that has developed, like there's going to be multiple lies in the background, multiple motives that have to be uncovered before any freedom can happen in that place. And then another one would be like, I deserve, because of all the hard work I put in, I deserve for him to honor me by leaving the house in a timely manner. But I think knowing that these lies, come from somewhere our culture generally and they always put us at the center so like anything that we're hearing from our culture that honestly makes us feel good right away because it's like oh yeah that i'm so justified by that that makes yeah that of course why doesn't everybody realize how that would impact me but we're not all going to like grab onto all of them. So, what are the ones that even in your personality, you might tend to grab onto more? Like, what makes you feel good in the moment and then actually feel terrible as time goes on when you're believing it? But I guess the number one way is to be in God's word. As I'm, I'm sitting here talking, giving an example, like, the only way we can discern the lies of our culture is to know the truth of scripture. And I know that that's hard for young moms to be in the word. It's the simplest thing in the world, but it's the hardest thing in the world when everything else is always competing. Like you said, for our attention and like it's easier to put on the noise than it is to do the digging and try to understand. So I just want to like encourage moms to be creative. You are creative. People. We undervalue moms when we're like, you can be creative and amazing and create systems and plans and just incredible things for your family and household, but you aren't creative enough to figure out how to get in God's word. You're smart, and there's a way that you can do it. It is going to look different in every season, and that's fine. It's not always sitting down with a candle and a mug of coffee and a your Bible open for 45 minutes or whatever. And a lot of seasons for me, it's like, can I read a psalm or listen to a psalm every morning when I get up? And then if I do have time later, I can do that more in-depth Bible study. But let yourself listen. There's no reason you can't listen to God's Word. I promise you, you're listening to music and podcasts and stuff that could be swapped. But also, like, in really hard seasons, it's okay if you do need a filter for God's Word. Like, if it does need to be listening to a sermon, sometimes instead of just listening to straight God's Word because your brain is so frazzled and so tired and so overwhelmed that you do need a little help interpreting Scripture. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. God made His Word to be enjoyed, like within the fellowship of believers. So stop telling yourself you're off on your own and you can't do it. And just start trying to find ways to saturate your mind with God's truth. And ultimately, that's what will help you identify when, oh, yep, that's not God's truth. That is not what his word says. And preach that truth, the gospel back to yourself instead of getting in the rut of preaching those other things to yourself.
1: I feel like our podcast, it's like every episode we have, I mean, this is what it's about, comes down to like, we have to be reading God's word. We have to be consuming his word every single day. And it's just kind of this culture of like, well, have a lot of grace and there's seasons and you have a young baby. And I mean, I've made these excuses for myself. I've I've said these excuses to my friends. And it's like, I think we just have to stop at the excuses and like really press into like, there's no other way to do it. Like you have to be reading God's word. And like you said, consuming it, I should say, because I was just chatting with a friend the other day who is reading and she's like, oh, for the first time, I like press play on the Bible app. or doing Terry Cobble's Bible in a year. We've done that for a few years with a lot of our followers. And she's like, I didn't know, like you can play it out loud. And I'm like, so many of my days or when I'm doing my makeup, I'm just have that playing. And Are there days where I'm not catching every word said in the scripture for sure, but there are things that is setting my mind to things that are greater than me, and I— do believe that even if you don't feel like it from one morning of listening to it, it's like it's changing your heart more than you think. And it's just it's showing this humility of aligning your heart to something, like I said, bigger than just yeah, listening to a podcast or listening to music or what we think in the moment is going to feel good. And yeah, ultimately, I'm always hoping that I can wake up early enough to go down and do my like more intense Bible study. But like you said, that's just not realistic every day. And so we do have to be creative, whether it's in the car or whatever it looks like. I mean, we have to be putting our truth of what we're believing that day and what the world is telling us up against the truth, seeing where it aligns and where it doesn't, figuring out how to get back to God's word and God's truth. And so I love that this episode wrapped up with that because like you said, we could talk practicals all day. And so many of these practical tips that we have in motherhood are blessings and things to help us along the way. But yeah, it comes down to this, like, where is that truth coming from? And if we don't start there, nothing else is going to fall into place.
0: As I'm listening to all this, it makes me think, like, let us be a community that points people back to Scripture. I recently had a friend who, in a conversation, he said, like, how do you imagine a community changing if instead of, like, hey, how was your day? How are your kids? How are these extracurricular things you're doing? Like, what if we genuinely asked each other, like, how did you show Jesus to your children today? And when he said that, I laughed. I kind of was like... Like, that's silly. But I was like, no, that shouldn't be silly. Like, actually, I want community to say, hey, how did your actions and how did your responses and interactions and words reflect Jesus to your children today? Because, like, genuinely, like, we all know that that's what we want for our children. But why do we not really go to that and point people to that in our community all the time. And so obviously, yes, there is so much grace with our words. We are never going to say the exact correct thing at all times. But let us be people when we are giving encouragement to other people or people are coming to us for encouragement. Let us be people who point each other to Scripture and to God's Word, pray with people and send them to, hey, let's read the psalm together or let's like pray about this together. Because why would we not go there as our source of support all the time? I think
2: women will hear me say that and they'll say, well, I just don't have a relationship like that. And I just tell them, you have to go first then. Like you go first. You say, you be the one who's willing to say, I'm struggling with this and I need help. And you, when you be the one, when somebody brings a struggle to that, you open up the word with them, that you encourage them to like let's come up with a creative way for you to be in God's word more because it is God's word that transforms us. And so everything else that we offer can be like a nice little help, a bit of common grace, but it is only his word. And it only starts by us going first in a friendship.
0: And I love what you said about the why to the five. I thought that when you said that too, like you said, you know, if you have a trusted community, you can go to them with that. But if you also don't, there's been so many times, again, do not do this perfectly at all, but using that same thought, which I love that you mentioned it, is like, even if I just say my why out loud and then ask myself that why five more times, even as I say the words out loud, I can hear how, like, dumb it is. I can hear how, like, or write dumb it down. I'm yeah. being or extreme I'm being. So, like, even if you don't have community right now who you would feel comfortable going to and really, like, picking apart that with then like you can do it yourself and you can start there too to get to that truth. So thank in you, the Maggie. the
2: of the Trinity. So God is always with you, even if you feel like you are alone in that and he wants to work through that with you. So yes, we have the
0: holy a holy point, point, which is such grace.
1: Amen. Amen. Maggie, you've been such a treat for us and a joy for us as younger moms. You're so wise. We are so
0: appreciative of just all the things that you have given us today in conversation. I hope that people come pick up your book, but where's the best place to buy the book just so people can find it?
2: I mean, probably Amazon or sometimes my publisher will have it like half off occasionally that movie publishers, but just Amazon is a great place to grab it. Awesome. Well,
0: we'll make sure to link all that in our show notes so you guys can get more resources from Maggie. But thank you so much for your time today and just all the wisdom that you've shared with us. So, Thanks, Maggie. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Hey, thanks for going there with us.
0: If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast.
1: And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon.